Hey, thanks for listening with Sanctuary. We're excited to grow in the knowledge of Jesus with you. Now let's get into the Word. Somebody said, His kingdom comes. I want to talk to you about planting His kingdom in you. Planting His kingdom in you. Matthew 13, Matthew 13, verse 3. Planting His kingdom in you. So I, I think it's something about pastoring and gardening. I've been told this, that a lot of pastors like to garden. It's something, I don't know if it's just the stress and you kind of can put your life into that. Uh, or there's really something about seeing God in gardening. There's a lot of parables about gardening, and I think there's just something about it. And uh, so I garden. I love landscaping. That's a hobby of mine. And so we have a few chickens this year, and we've got a garden that connects to it. And so we did our summer garden, but, you know, uh, we've got a long season in Louisiana. So this year I'm, I'm doing a fall garden, trying something out new. So what I got to do this last couple of weeks, when it got a little cooler, minus, uh, you know, in the 90s, right? You know, the, the cool fall breeze we have in the 98-degree mark, right, in Louisiana. Uh, I got to till up my spring garden half of it, and I replanted uh, some of my, uh, some green beans and some squash and things like that just to get us on another, another bin. But normally I have my chickens. They go out into my garden, and they've been kind of having the run of it over the summer after everything died. But in this season, I got to till it up, cut, cultivate everything, replant it, and for the next few weeks, these chickens are not going to be in there. Why? Because they would eat it, they scratch, they tear up everything, uh, and I was going through this process thinking about, I know we're about to talk about something very, very similar, and you know, God can just make things come alive. Uh, and so I don't know if you have chickens from hell like I do, uh, but that's kind of what the story we're going to talk a little bit about is. That there is something God wants to plant in you. And as just in the last week, I got to see these little seeds do a miracle. That as I did the work to plant, in one week of rain, there they are. Boom. Those things just happen. I don't know. How, isn't it a miracle? It's a mystery. How does something that's hard and dead in a shell go down into dirt and life begin? No, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. How does that happen? How does that little pine cone make that huge pine tree? That's a miracle. That's God. It's a mystery. You know, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a mystery. It's mysteries. He's come and he taught these parables to reveal a mystery much in the same way. We can take a lot of these things for granted. We can drive by all these trees and flowers and, and do this garden. I can take it for granted, and I often do. But there's a mystery that God has in Scripture. And sometimes the same way I can come to church and I can read these parables, read these passages, and my eyes don't see and my ears don't hear. But there is a mystery God wants to show you. There's something God has for you, but you have to have the right conditions to receive it. You've got to have the right conditions to receive it. It's got to be planted in a cultivated heart to go down deep, to take root into you in order for this kingdom to produce fruit. And the disciples began to wonder why so many people responded differently to Jesus. He quoted them Isaiah 6 in Matthew chapter 13, just a few verses after this. He said, For whoever has, to him more shall be given. 
and he'll have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to these people in parables, because while seeing, they do not see, and while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand." You see, a lot of people would have come to Jesus on that day, and they would have really loved for Jesus to do everything for them. And they were coming for miracles and healings and signs and wonders. They saw this as a guy who makes uh, loaves and fishes. I mean, this, he can do some stuff for us. He can do the world. I mean, he could take over the world, and we could have the, you know, God's kingdom come down and overthrow Rome, and, and we could have it on. But knowing everyone in that crowd wanted to do the work of stewarding that kingdom, you see, this kingdom springs to life in a cultivated heart. It wasn't a hard heart, and it wouldn't be an apathetic heart. This kingdom comes from a place of digging deep within ourselves and discovering who we really are and letting God's Word plant something new there. You see, you'll never see or experience the kingdom unless you do that. Why? Because what you allow God to do below the surface is deeply connected to what happens above the surface. What you allow God to do below the surface in your heart is deeply connected to what God can do above the surface. I don't know if you believe that or not. Somebody say amen if you're with me. Whatever God wants to do above the surface, you oh God, I want you to do this in my life. Well, that's going to be deeply connected to what you allow God to do below the surface. See, unless you're searching for understanding, you'll not find the kingdom. He said, who has to seek in order to find. You've got to search for it to find. Unless you want to do the digging, that truth will not be planted in you. Unless you're willing to steward what God wants to do in you in this kingdom, it will not grow in you. I see there's uh, times I've been unfruitful in my life. Times where maybe my heart got a little hard, got a little callous. There have been times where uh, maybe there, my faith hasn't gone as deep as maybe what God wanted it to go, and it's hit some shallow places, some rocky places. There's been times in my life where I realized how much cares and affairs of this world, how much worries of the world, worried about my, my money, worried about what's going on in my life, and that thing began to choke out my spiritual devotional life with God. And I get, you get lost. So there are times in my life where I realize I've got to plant a fall garden. There are times in my life where I had a spring garden and didn't very well, but I've got to go back into the garden, retill up the soil, cultivate it, keep my chickens out of it who really would love to take what God's about to plant in my life, and really do some digging, some soul searching and say, God, I know I believe in you, I love you, but Lord, I need you to plant the gospel fresh in my life again. I don't know about you, I, I want to go to a new season, a new harvest, a new crop with God. Somebody say amen. I'm ready for God to replant something in me, to do something new in my life, to see God in a new way, to have more mysteries revealed, to go down deeper than I've ever gone before, and to see God produce a harvest. I, it was great to see what God has done in the past of my life, but say, God, in this season, Plant something fresh and new in me. Somebody say amen if you're with me. All right, look with me in Matthew 13, verse 3. How are you cultivating the kingdom of heaven in your heart? I'm praying that you let the kingdom take root in a deep and dug up place in your heart. Somebody say dug up. In a deep and dug up place in your heart. Matthew 13, verse 3. And he spoke to them many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And many of you have heard this before. Uh, and he sowed. And some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. So I'm saying that's my chickens, y'all. Other fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. And when the sun had risen, they were scorched because they had no root, and they withered away. 
Others fell on among the thorns, the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold. Somebody say a hundredfold. Oh, a hundredfold. Come on. A hundredfold. Some sixty and some thirty. And here it is. He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus is telling a story to uh, farmers and rural people in Galilee. And he says, uh, and we know this from the context of the whole chapter, that Jesus is the sower. Jesus is the sower. He's the man. He's, he has come from heaven to sow the gospel seed. But this isn't just uh, the gospel like gospel music seed. This is, this is the gospel, the good news is what gospel means. The gospel of what? The kingdom. The seed is the kingdom. And what did we say kingdom was? It was the rule, the reign, in the realm of God. It's the rule, the people um, of over who God has reign over. It's His rule. It's His realm. That's the place. So it's a people. It's a place. The place is wherever God is. It's where His presence reigns. It's the realm of God. Heaven has come down to earth, Jesus said. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heaven has left heaven, and it's come down to earth. It's wherever God is. That's His realm. That's His place. Then it's the authority, the power of God. Jesus went and cast out demons. He healed the sick. He healed the lame. And he walked on water. His power was given to the church. And in a hundred, a few hundred years, they conquered the Roman government. I mean, that power. So it's a people. It's a place. It's a power. It's the rule. It's the reign. It's the realm of God. And that is the kingdom. The kingdom is not church. The kingdom is not three fast songs, two slow songs, an offering, and a pastor preaching with an altar call. That is a part of it, but the kingdom is the rule, the reign, the realm of God. It's the people, the place, and the power that Jesus has left heaven to plant in the field. And what is the field? We said last week the field is the world. It's the whole world. And in this world, there are all types of, how many know when you go to Walmart, there's all types of people. You go to the mall, there's all types of people. The same is true. There are all types of soil in this field. Now, if you go through, you know, from here to Monroe, you're going to see all kinds of soybean and rice fields and corn sometimes around our area. And you know that there are roads between. You ever notice this? There's roads, dirt roads between the fields. It was very much the same in ancient Galilee, but oftentimes these would be hills uh, hand dug or with an ox or donkeys or something, and there would be very, very rocky soil. They would have to go in and pull out the rocks off this hill. And between these vineyards and these grain fields, there would be paths, just like we have today. And he's saying, this farmer, this seed sower is so liberal with this kingdom. He's so liberal with this good news. He is throwing it everywhere, y'all. He's not like one of these uh, guys now with an international tractor, a John Deere with the clean cut rose. He's got a bag of seed and he is just going to town throwing this gospel. And if it goes in the ditch, great. He's got enough seed to go around and he's planting it everywhere. Okay, now are you with me? That's where we're at. Okay. I'm going to give you two things today. The measure of reception in the measure of reproduction. Let's talk about the measure of reception. How do you receive this gospel seed? How do you receive the kingdom? Well, the first is you got to recognize that soil is a miracle. You know, soil is amazing and rare thing. You know, the earth is the only place in the universe we found with life-giving soil. There's no other place in the, all the galaxy with life-giving soil. This soil, if you had an apple 
soil would be like the, the skin of the apple, all right? And this soil is only 10 miles thick, they say. It's only 10 miles thick. This, the, the thing that can produce life, this little thing, and if you took the oceans off, the mountains off, the deserts off, that that little bit of soil in the entire universe, God has created to sustain all people life, all plant life, all animal life. Think about that. Think about how miraculous that is. All the diversity of the world, all of the world is coming, is possible because this miracle life-giving soil that is some of the smallest, most rarest thing in the world. And guess what God chose to make man out of? Genesis chapter uh, 2. He says, let us make man. And he, he, he takes man, and the Bible says he formed Adam out of the dust, out of the dirt, out of the ash. And actually in the, the Hebrew it means out of a million different pieces. He formed man, molded him like good clay, and he breathed the breath of God, breath of life into a man. You are rare. We are rare. And God has made you for life giving kingdom on the inside of you. God specifically designed you to bear His kingdom, to bear His place, his, to be His people, to have His power inside of you. And you are unique in the whole universe. There's no one like you. How many believe that? Amen. Amen. That's how God designed you. He designed you to bear life. Not just any life, but His life. But there's a soil test because there's different types of soil today after the fall. You know, some, if you dig out here in the middle of Aimwell versus Somerville versus Nebo, you're going to get different types of soil. Some have clay, some have sand, some have loam. Some are just muddy, right? It's full of minerals, though. Life-giving soil is full of minerals. What makes life-giving soil? I have a composter outside our house, so when we get done eating, we throw stuff in it, and we throw my coffee grounds, banana peels, we throw in this composter, till it up, and I put that back in my garden. And it's black, y'all. It's deep black soil. You know what makes soil good? Is that dead things have been broken down inside of it. You know what makes your life good? That dead things have been broken down on the inside of it. Jesus is looking at this field, and he's looking at this soil, and he says, not all of these things are just like the other. One of these things is different. One of these soils has had dead things tilled up. It's had dead things broken down. And it's something underneath the ground has activated the life that can happen above the ground. Some people have let it go deep into the depths of their soul. Some people have had dead places of repentance. It's churned up on the inside of them. They're willing to go down and let God break down things on the inside of them. And others are hard soil. That's the first one, hard soil. This is the hard heart. Jesus interprets it in verse 19. He says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what's been sown in his heart. This is the one who the seed was sowed beside the road. You know that every time the gospel is preached, there's spiritual warfare going on. Look at this. There's this hard soil, and this is the hard heart, the callous heart, the one who doesn't have eyes to see or ears to hear. The gospel of the kingdom comes. It lands on hard soil. It's not able to penetrate their heart. They don't have understanding. There's not been any preparation for them. They just don't hear it. It's just, it's just a history. It's just fable. It's just tradition. That's most of the world. But before they could even think about it, Satan knows the value of that seed, 
He knows what that seed can do if it's put into the right condition, if it's put into the right heart. And before that person could sleep on it a night, before that person could go back and listen to that Bible study again, before that person would put repeat on that pastor's sermon, they snatched away. There is a spiritual warfare going on every single time you hear the gospel preached. Whether you want to recognize it or not, Satan knows the value of that seed, and he knows the value of that soil. He knows what it could do if God gets planted in it. And you may not think this, but here's what Spurgeon said. Spurgeon said, how, notice how zealous the devil is. And we may be careless about souls, but Satan never is. There's spiritual warfare going on even here in this room right now for some of you to listen and believe and have eyes to see and ears to hear. That was the hard heart. Number two was the shallow heart, the shallow soil. He says, this is the one who was on rocky places. And it's like a man who hears it and immediately it springs up with joy. But it's got no firm root. So when temporary affliction comes or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. I told you that in Israel... They had to get like a, a, an old an axe or a pickaxe or a hoe, and they had to personally dig out these rocks. This is the soil that no intentional cultivation has happened. This is a person who's got rocky places. And like any good plant, if it's got a little bit of soil, it will spring up quickly with the right conditions. But when the life happens, or it says that when the, the persecution or the temptation, or let's just say it this way, when trouble comes... Just as fast as it received it, it just as quickly lost it. It had it, but it lost it. I would call this emotion versus devotion. What do I mean? Emotion versus demotion. You know, you can get emotional after a church. You can get to emotional day. You can say, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, God. I'm going to come down here and repent. You can go to a conference. You can hear a good worship song. You can hear a good sermon. You can read a Bible study and say, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. This time, it's going to be different. Man, that song moved me. That word the pastor gave moved me. I know I need to get right with God. And then that emotion wears off. Three days later, you're back into how everything else was. What's the difference there? Emotion versus devotion. We can come, and I think emotion is good. I think we need emotion in churches, too many dead churches. But it's not just emotion. It's devotion. And emotion, they say, and uh, I listened to a neuroscientist uh, this week studying for this, and she said emotion lasts about three days. Three days will wear off, and then she said, but in order for that to be put actually into your brain... She said it had to go to about 7 to 14 days that you would have to wrestle with that thought intentionally for it to be put into your memory, for it to actually be a thought into your head. So for it to go from emotion at three days, it'd have to go on for a week or two, and you're going to have to struggle with that. What does that mean? You're going to have to start pulling out some rocks. You're going to have to start pulling out some cultivation and getting out there and struggle with it and struggle with it and wrestle with it for two weeks for it to actually form a thought. Then she said, for it to be in your long-term memory, it has to go to 21 days. That means for a whole month, you have got to say, God spoke this to me. I'm not letting go of it. I'm going to take that seed. I'm going to push it down deeper. And if I hit something, I'm going to find my pickaxe. And I'm going to dig that thing up. And I'm going to push that seed down further than it's ever gone before. And that's what he's saying. There have been people who had some emotion, but they didn't do the cultivation required to go down deeper. And then you all know, and we've been uh, said before, how long it takes to form a habit. 
She said 63 days it would take for that new thought to become a habit. You need to wrestle with God's Word. You need to let it go down. You need to find out where it hits you and says, oh, I don't have that attitude. Oh, man, I did not live up to that verse. And then you don't just need to move on. You need to sit there and settle on it. God, take my tongue. God, take that thought. God, I'm taking every thought captive. We hold on to it for three days. We let go of it. We go back to what we just did before. You need to take that thought and throw it away. You need to grab that verse and hold on to it. Put it on your fridge. Put it in your Bible. I don't know if you've got a sticky note. Put it on your forehead. That's what they did in the Bible. You know, you need to remember God spoke this to me. Until that thing is pulled out of me, I'm going to rest on it. I'm going to settle on it. You will never outgrow the depths of your soil. I'm going to say it again. You will never outgrow the depths of your soil. The life below the ground is related to the life above the ground. You will never go taller than you'll go deeper. You know most of these tap roots for these pine trees, they're as deep as they are tall. I've been told that. I've never dug one up to see. But that's how a lot of trees are. Their roots are equal to the height of that tree. You will never outgrow the depth of your soil. So my, my challenge to you, if, if you hear anything today, is I want you to wrestle with what kind of soil you are. I want you to wrestle with, God, have I allowed you to go to the dark, deep places in my heart? Have I dug up something? I, maybe you keep coming back to the same old thing. That means there's a rock there you've never let God dig up. The next one was the unkempt heart, the unattended garden. In Louisiana, it doesn't take but a week for your garden to be quickly taken over by weeds. So too is the unattended heart. Jesus says, the worries and the wealth of the world choked out the seed. This is the heart that had cultivation, it had depth, but it wasn't well cared for. Unfortunately, this, this, this soil had potential. This is, the saddest, this is the saddest one to me. It had potential. The seed went down. The kingdom was growing. It was going to do great things to this. But then they got busy. And then they got busy. And I'm not saying they missed a bunch of church. I'm saying they missed time with Jesus. I'm saying they missed time in the Word. I'm saying they missed allowing God to produce kingdom fruit in their life. We can put all kinds of religious labels on it, but they miss with all the busy, with all the worries, with all the wealth of the world, with all the things to do in our to-do list, they did not keep a faith-filled garden. They didn't care. They didn't keep pushing things back. No, that's not as important as Jesus. No, that's not as important as Jesus. No, that's not as important as, as spending time with Jesus. No, that's not as important. This is how my family is going to worship God. This is how I'm going to raise my kids. This is how we're going to do life. Not like the world's going to do life. We're going to do life. We just keep pushing that round. That we keep that weed whacker handy. We're always saying this. The world wants to take your time. It wants to take your wealth. It wants to take your family. It wants to take your mind. It wants to take your peace. It wants to take your faith. And you have got to keep Keep cutting things away. It's the unkept heart. I think that's where most American Christians are today. You know what I see in all of this? I see a generational fade. That, actually, two nights ago, God put that in my dream about this sermon, that this is really what's happened in America today. Number one is that we've had a generation of parents with unkept hearts. Oh, they, they had God. They grew up in church. But the busyness of life, the cares and affairs of this world, allowed everything to just get drowned out to be not as important 
and no kingdom fruit came up. And for that reason, guess what happens to their children? Their children is the next generation. Their children became the shallow heart to where they had some experience with God, but it wasn't deep enough that when their kids get older as teenagers and young adults and college students, as young people, they don't have any tap roots to go down deeper than what they saw mom and dad. So in the first generation, it was unkept. In the second generation, it became shallow. That when persecution's coming and real Christianity is about to be tested in our country in this world, they're not going to make it. And then that generation, guess what's going to happen? They're going to have kids, and the next one's going to be hard hearts. People who don't even hear it anymore. They don't have eyes to see and ears to hear. In three generations, you can lose the whole thing. You see, kingdom fruit is required and it's measured. You know, Jesus was really talking to these people in this chapter about Jeremiah. Jeremiah said this in chapter 4, verse 3. The prophet told Judah, he said, Break up your fallow ground and do not sow among the thorns. Circumcise yourself to the Lord. Remove the foreskins of your heart. And he goes on in chapter 17. He says, Be like a tree planted by the water. It extends its roots by a stream, and it will not fear when heat comes, but its leaves will be green, and it will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. Here's my question, God, do I need to be replanted? Lord, I may have been fruitful in a season, but Lord, may I need to be planted. Maybe I need to be a fall garden. Maybe I need to put the chickens up who have been trying to destroy everything that you want to do. Maybe I need to go deeper than I've ever gone deeper before. God, maybe I need to clear the ground in a new season of my life. Lord, I've seen the gospel before and I know Jesus, but Lord, maybe I need to see him in a new way, in a new eyes, with new ears. God, do a new thing in me. Create a new harvest in me. God, I'm ready for a fall garden. I'm ready to be replanted with the gospel. God, make it fresh and anew in my life. That's the measure of reception. The next and lastly is the measure of reproduction. Matthew 13, verse 23, I'm wrapping it up. He says, On the one whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. You see, fruit is the evidence of that the kingdom is working in your life. Apple trees make apples. You don't have apples on your apple tree, you just got a tree. I don't know. You can call it an apple tree, but unless you've had apples from it, it's kind of pointless. It's just a tree. Christians who have no Christianity, kind of pointless. Kingdom people who don't see the evidence of the kingdom, kind of pointless. His rule, his reign, his realm in their life, his people, his place, his power, demonstrated. I'm not talking about just paying your tithes and going to church, y'all. I'm talking about it being a God-indwelt people who see the kingdom come to this generation. You see, fruit's required, but what is fruit? It's the kingdom. It's the Word. It's Jesus. You see, this crop, as it grows in us, the Bible says in John 4, it springs up to eternal life. James says it springs up as righteousness. Paul said in Galatians 5, it comes out as Christ's character and love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. It's Christ's character gets produced in you. Romans said it would be that peace and that joy. Romans, it says, it'd be holiness. Colossians says it comes out as good works. Hebrews says it comes out as praise and worship. And Paul says again in Romans that it, this thing comes and it begins to reach others for Christ. It's not just one thing. Man, it comes out, and it's a kingdom takeover. It's heaven coming down to earth. 
So is God's kingdom bearing fruit in you? Fruit bears more fruit. Kingdom bears more kingdom. Disciples make more disciples. Love bears more love. Joy bears more joy. Peace bears more peace. That's what fruit is. And how do you do that? How do you produce fruit? It's according to the measure of the soil. You see, I don't have to do anything. When I plant those green beans, I just made the conditions right. It happened on its own. God's kingdom supernatural. I'm not in control of it, but I know that if it's planted in the right soil, it's just going to happen. When it got planted in 120 people who were really earnest that Jesus Christ had ascended to the Father, and He said, go make disciples, they received the Holy Spirit, and it just produced a harvest that 3,000 people was added to the Lord, and they had sharing together, loving one another, went and became the most missional people the world had ever seen for Christ, because they had cultivated their soil with true faith. They allowed Him to go deep. Peter wept three times and realized that he had denied Christ, but then Christ affirmed him and said, Peter, I love you three times more. He had a digging. He had cultivation, and there was something planted on the inside of him. See, it's not about, God, would you do this? Oh, God, I pray you would send revival to Gina. God will send revival. It's already here. It's just got to get in the right soil. Oh, God, I wish you'd do miracles and healing and faith and stuff like that. It's the same kingdom. It's not about the kingdom, it's about the soil. So if you look around the status of America today and the churches in America, you think God's the problem? He's the same God. It's the same seed. It's the same word. Church, we've got to have a coming to Jesus. Say, God, cultivate my soil. Lord, I'm willing to go down to the depths of prayer. God, I want to wrestle with who am I really? You see, some of us just think we're okay, but we don't have eyes to see and ears to hear. And God's saying, I want to go deeper than you allow me to go. I want to plant something new and life-giving in your marriage, new and life-giving in your parenting, new and life-giving in your worship, new and life-giving in your devotional life. I want to do something in your community that you have yet to imagine or conceive. I want to do something in your church. I want to do something through you and your family. I want to do something to you. And it's the same gospel. that was the same gospel when Jesus preaches, the same gospel today. The church, we have got to wrestle with God. How deep have I let you go? How into that dark, deep place has God has taken me in my life on this journey in the last 20 years of just getting to know him in a deeper way and moments where I can just get into a place with prayer and God says Heath I want to go to a place you haven't let me go yet let me go to that deep place and I find that I haven't been as abandoned as I once thought I was or I didn't know him in the way that I know him now and he says I want to spend some time with you planting something deep in that dark dug up place and you can't even imagine What's going to happen when you let go and you let me have my way in you? You see, good soil is full of dead things being dug up. You have got to want the kingdom to receive it. I close with this. In Genesis 26, verse 12, uh, Isaac had heard from his dad, Abraham, that God was going to make them a people as numerous as the stars, and he's going to confirm this covenant that Jesus Christ would come back through. He'd come through. Isaac had to affirm that this was for his generation just like it was for his daddy's generation. And when Isaac began to believe and take the land, this is the land his dad gave him, he began to plant, and the Bible says, reap a harvest. And it says that harvest was a hundred 
fold. Why? Because he began to believe that this is not just for my daddy, this is for me too. God is going to use me to be in the lineage of Jesus. And this is great that it happened in my daddy's time, but in my generation, we're going to take the land as well. He began to dig up all the old wells that all the enemy had filled in and to rename them and cultivate and build more and add more. And he said, in God, when he believed in faith, that what God did through his dad, he could do in him, God caused his reaping to be 100-fold. I think that's what Jesus was talking about. There are going to be a people who believe that, I know God did it back then, but I think he can still do it in me too. He did it for my grandfather's generation. He did revivals years ago. We had great things happen in America. We've had great moves of God from Scripture to now. But I believe what he did then, he can still do today. And when I start to believe that and I start to dig up the wells and start to plant into good soil, he says some are going to reap a harvest of 100, some 60, some 30. Why? Because that's according to their measure of faith. Just like the parable of the talents. One received this and they multiplied it. One received this, they multiplied it. According to the measure of the soil and the faith applied, you'll reap a harvest. The question is, are you willing to wrestle with it to get it? Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? I want to be full of dead things being broken up. God has designed you a rarity, something He wants to be moldable like clay, something He can plant His kingdom life in like good soil. But God has got to cultivate that place. You have got to allow God to go to the depths of you. You've got to allow your fallow ground to be broken up. You've got to allow God to take away the thorns and say, come, I'm coming back to Jesus. And I believe in faith that this good word, this good seed, this kingdom, when it comes into me, it can be life-giving. It can produce a harvest of joy and love and peace. It can spread. See, fruit is meant to give away. It's meant to multiply. One apple tree produces a bunch of apples. One head of grain produces a bunch more seeds of grain. The way the kingdom works is that when it's in you and it produces fruit, it doesn't just stay with you. Listen to me, church. If it's just staying with you, you haven't produced fruit yet. So I want us to wrestle with this in a minute. The Lord, God, cultivate me. Go down to the deep, dark places and dig something up. I want to stay right here. And I don't want this to be a motion that lasts just three days, fleeting moment, but God, I want to hang with it. Lord, what kind of person am I? What kind of soil am I? What am I being, what is being produced in me? Holy Spirit, I invite you in this moment, just like you've been doing with me this week, Search me and know me, O God. Search me and know me. Give me eyes to see. Give me eyes to see who I really am.